John. Inside for Elba. Elba will score. Elba will score. Newcastle has won. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Obviously a huge weekend of prelim finals and we gave our live reaction to both of those games. If you didn't get a chance to catch them over the weekend, I'm going to put them both in a podcast here for you now. If not, you can go back and listen to whichever individual one you would like from the weekend, but I thought I would just uh, collab them both in the same spot here for you to be able to listen to it all on your way to work this morning or whatever it might be, just to make life a little bit easier. We'll have our rapid view coming a little bit later today, along with a few other podcasts coming your way. A huge preliminary final weekend and of course, a massive, massive Grand final week coming your way. G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. The Penrith Panthers and the Melbourne Storm game has just wrapped up. A huge victory for the Penrith Panthers. A real night to flex their premiership muscles against the Melbourne Storm. They were very, very impressive. It was at 38 points to four. Good God, the Penrith Panthers were good tonight. And look, I thought the Melbourne Storm... They made a lot of errors at, you know, pretty poor parts. Uh, and, and made a lot of errors and key spots of the fields and whatnot, which turned the ball over quite a bit, which is very disappointing for the moment. I thought outside of that, they're actually pretty good in the first half. I just thought it was just a full credit to the Penrith Panthers and just how fucking good they were. I had a few Melbourne Storm fans message me at halftime going, geez, you didn't even mention us in your post. And I, was, I just said to him, mate, you guys weren't that bad, but Penrith were just fucking incredible. Like, I thought Melbourne Storm were pretty good. I would argue that Melbourne, they're probably in front against most teams in this competition at halftime in that game. But Penrith... They were just too good. They are just too dominant at the moment. And, you know, they're now into their fourth grand final in a row, uh, trying to win their third premiership in a row. Obviously, the last time a team won three premierships in a row was Peter Sterling and Brett Kenny all the way back in the 1980s for the Paramount Eels. So it has been a long time between drinks for three premierships in a row. They've still got the big dance to come. Uh, I've obviously got the Broncos and the Warriors playing tomorrow. Uh, winner of that will go through and play the Penrith Panthers. But my God... The Penrith Panthers, they would have to be the red-hot favourites right now to take out this premiership. And, you know, they, they, they were before anyway, but fuck. Off the back of that, uh, unbelievable. They're $1.57 uh, to take out this premiership with the Brisbane Broncos at two seventy-five. The New Zealand Warriors are at $14. So, gee whiz, the Penrith Panthers. A very, very impressive performance. Um, obviously, Jerome Luai, he got through the game unscathed, played about 60 minutes. Uh, my people at Penrith have told me that at halftime, he declared that he'd be sweet to play the 80 minutes. Uh, but Ivan stepped in and just and just played the, the eyes up footy play there and took him off in the 60th minute. Uh, pretty rare to see a 5-8 come off with 20 minutes to go, but I think at that point they were up 30 points to four, and uh, it really was a dominant performance. Uh, the first two guys I want to talk about, James Fish-Harris and Moses Liotta, they are fucking incredible. You can give me all the stats in the world for other front rowers, and the, most front rowers, stats-wise, most starting front rowers will probably beat them week to week, but just their intensity and their intent in everything they 
they do. Those two are just absolute dogs. They fight for every single bone, every single inch. They are incredible. Um, and, you know, this is now, you know, the fourth year in a row that they've gone all the way to a grand final, these two front rowers. So incredibly, incredibly impressive. Uh, and I'd say it's the third year in a row now that they have been by far and away the two most dominant uh, forwards or front row forwards anyway. We've obviously got AFB and Payne Haas, but geez, these two, I'm telling you, there is something special about these guys. And the Penrith Panthers, I think these are two guys that are going to be able to keep for a very, very long time. The beauty of these two, you know, salary cap wise, they don't play state of origin. Um, so that, that really helps sort of keep their price down compared to your Payne Haas's and these sort of guys. AFB is another example of that. We've spoken about that before. And it sort of keeps these guys from playing on the absolute biggest stage in a lot of people's eyes so it sort of keeps them a little bit underappreciated underrated and probably undervalued as well uh, but these two are just unbelievable I said at half time today and I stand by it I genuinely do think that these two are heading in the direction of Shane Webke Petro Seven Deceiver you look at those guys they obviously won a number of competitions together I think um, Shane won in 97 uh, and every premiership until 2006 I think Petro his first premiership was in 98 so he went 98 2000 2006 which is an incredible effort uh, but, I mean, if you consider that if the Panthers win next week, that's already three premierships for these two. And we already look at them and go, geez, they're the experienced heads in this team. They're the leader. You know, the <laughs> they're the guys in the front row that have been around forever. They've seen it all. They've done it. Um, you look at Mosley Otter. What is he, 28 years old? 28 years old. Fisher Harris. I'm just checking his age. I wouldn't expect Harris to be much older than that. I reckon he'll be 28 as well, to be honest with you. Um, Jones Fisher Harris. He's 27. Like, it's just fucking unbelievable. With the way that players are going nowadays, playing till 34, 35, well, these guys could still have another seven, eight years in their career being the best one-two punch in rugby league starting in the front row. And they get to September every year and they go to a new level. You see, you know, and I don't think either of these two will, you know, I think they'll really struggle to probably ever win a Dally M front rower of the year now because of the way that, how, how good so many front rowers are going nowadays. And these two are just consistent. And you can tell with these two, Mate, you can get all your accolades in the season. You can get all your Dally M awards. We don't give a flying fuck. What we care about is lifting the trophy in the first week of October. And these guys get to it September, and they just go to another level. I was so impressed with these two in this game, especially Fish. I just thought he was fantastic. It's so impressive how he has transitioned as a player. He was a loose cannon when he first came in, very Mark Guy sort of vibes, and he's just developed into one of the best leaders in our game and one of the most underappreciated leaders in our game. Those two were tremendous. I thought Brian To'o was great. So was Taruva as well. Both got through a stack of work. I would assume Brian To'o, I don't think he would have got to 200 mudder metres, but I reckon he would have got to 180 or so. Uh, 181 he got to. Uh, Taruva, 100. Isaac Tungo, 124. Stephen Crichton, 105. Uh, Dylan Edwards, 126. So their entire back five, all went 100 plus metres. Very, very impressive. Um, I thought that Isaac Tungu, he obviously got stood up very early and um, I was texting a mate when he got stood up and there's been a number of times that this has happened to Isaac. You know, I've obviously been a big fan of him. He was one of my huge could-be-anythings. He was two years ago now. He obviously went on to win a premiership that year. He's been a, one of the more dominant centres over the last two years. He's been fucking tremendous. But occasionally he does get caught out defensively. Occasionally he just gets stood up one-on-one. And uh, I, my, my mate texted me and said, oh, there, there goes your boy. He's missed his mark. Sort of jammed me up. And I said to him, you know what? 
just keep an eye on him for the rest of this game because this has happened to him a few times this year. At the start of the year, he got stood up by Dane Gagai one afternoon. Gagai just left him for dead. And Isaac Tungo went and set up another two, scored another. Normally when he gets beat early, gets his pants pulled down and embarrassed, he bounces back with a big game. And you have a look at the stats of Isaac Tungo. I remember watching him miss that tackle thinking, oh, this could get a little bit ugly. He ran for 124 metres. He had two line break assists. He had two try assists, 40 post contact, three tackle breaks. He was everywhere in this game, and they really tried to pepper him. A big test at marking up on Justin O'Lem. He did miss a few tackles, to be fair, but I thought an attack came with some really good plays. And then, of course, his big moment of the game came when he got himself out of the in goals. Uh, Harry Grant, perfect kick. And for me, that is the moment that sums up the Penrith Panthers right now. Harry Grant puts in a kick that Isaac Tungo cleans up a metre away from the dead ball line. The perfect kick. It would, you, you can't ask for much more than that from from Harry Grant in that moment. Not only does Isaac Tungo somehow fucking get out, they then go Brian Toto down the short side. He gets another 15 metres. And Nathan Cleary goes, eyes up stuff. He goes down the short side knowing he'll get a penalty. He draws that penalty out. Then, of course, they go down the other end and they score a try very soon after. They're just... <laughs> They're just unbelievable, this Penrith Panther side. And I thought that set of six really summed up everything you need to know about this side, that Harry Grant nailed that moment. He couldn't have got it any better. It was just precision. It was perfect. And the Penrith Panthers, within 90 seconds, they turn it into a try at the other end. Just unbelievable. They just... They just chip away at you and just get you every time. Uh, Jerome Luai, as I said, played, you know, 60-odd minutes, played his role, did really well. But Nathan Cleary, he was the star of the show. Scored one try, kicked five goals, kicked two penalty goals, 14 runs for 93 metres, had one line break assist, one try assist. He was everywhere, Nathan Cleary. 12 tackles, only one missed. And his kicking game was tremendous. I think he had two force dropouts, three force dropouts in this game. The kick that he found touch off was incredible. No errors. He was just in total control throughout the entire night, Nathan Cleary, and pretty much had a hand in just about all their tries. He was incredible, and then got on the inside of the Liam Martin break to score himself. Shout out. Tipped him on Bloke in a Bar this week, so we'll take that. Hopefully we're not dancing, but Matty the Waterboy, who's trying to avoid an ice bath this week, he went four from four in this game. He took Penrith 13+, plus, uh, Penrith to cover the line, Dylan Edwards, and I think Overs, which all of us went under, so advantage to Matty the Waterboy there. Shout out to him. Um, Liam Martin, Wow. What a game. He was everywhere, Liam Martin. We posted that thing about him during the week. Got a lot of messages, people telling me, oh, he's overrated. He fucking <laughs> can't believe how much people rate him. Um, and, you know, you have a look at his stats out of the entire starting forward pack. Who ran for the least amount of metres? Liam Martin. Who had the most impact, though? I'd probably argue Liam Martin. And he, this is what he does. This is what he does every single week. And I feel like people are still sleeping on this guy and underappreciating just how good he is. He made 26 tackles, only missed one, which is less than Isaiah Leo, less than Scotty Sorensen. Um, you know, slightly more than James Fisher-Harris, but in a lot less minutes. Uh, he's he's just Liam Martin. Just stats do not tell the story about just how good this guy is. And as I said during the week, and I stand by it, I've been saying it for two years now, if you want to see if someone knows what they're talking about when it comes to rugby league, ask their opinion on this guy, Liam Martin. And if they tell you he's, he's overrated or they don't see it or it's overplayed or social content creators blow it up too much, that just, it's just the ultimate sign they've got no fucking clue what they're talking about because the guy is an absolute weapon. I thought Scotty Sorensen was fantastic in this game as well. Got through a lot of work. He was tremendous. Mitch Kenny. Um, Matty Johns was in the commentary on KO, which thank God he was because he was fucking brilliant. I thoroughly enjoyed Matty Johns' little comments. He made a really good point with Mitch Kenny. He's like, how often do you see Mitch Kenny throw a pass to the 
ground. And, you know, for me, I watched him last year and I thought, fuck, he is slow out of dummy half. But this year, he really has improved. I honestly haven't thought that in so long. So full credit to Mitch Kenny. I was number one on the Sonny Luke train saying how important he was going to be this year and how the Penrith Panthers couldn't win this comp without Sonny Luke because Mitch Kenny wasn't wasn't going to do enough out of dummy half. Egg all over my face. Mitch Kenny has improved out of sight. His service, his defense is still fantastic. 40 tackles in this game, but his service has just been so impressive. So shout out to Mitch Kenny. Um, he's, he's obviously put a lot of work into his game. He played the full 80 minutes in this game in a prelim final. From being a 20-minute hooker that started the game last year in the grand final uh, to an 80-minute prelim hooker. Fucking unreal. So shout out to Mitch Kenny. I am so very happy for him because he is a toiler and he's a really good team guy. Uh, guys that came off the bench, Spencer Lenu was solid as well. Lindsay Smith was very good in his stint, um, but you know, the, by the time they essentially got to use anyone else, this game was just about over. They were just on top. Obviously, Justin Olam's got a nice little try uh, for the Melbourne Storm early, but outside of that, they just made too many errors in the second half to keep themselves in it. I think they were only down by 14 at half time, so it was tough, but they were not out of this game by any means. Uh, they looked exhausted. They looked absolutely gassed. But, I mean, 14 points, you can turn that around pretty quickly with, you know, a good bounce of the ball or whatever it might be. Uh, but, yeah, the Penrith Panthers, just far too strong in this one. thought Dylan Edwards was really solid as well. Um, and, yeah, I, there was a few, you know, controversial calls and whatnot. And, um, yeah, it's funny, you know, it's always the team at the top that apparently always gets all the calls. I think we need to just start appreciating um, that, you know, good teams are good. Uh, and, you know, I had a lot of people mention me going, geez, Penrith, hold down the ruck. And, yeah, they do. 100% they do, but they, they're also able to address how the referee is officiating a game. And I go back always to the 2021 Grand Final when they played the South Sydney Rabbitohs in that game. And, you know, they went in at half time. The ref was allowing people to lie over the ruck all day. South Sydney didn't adapt. The Penrith Panthers did. Ivan Cleary addressed it and said, hey, lie in there until he's going to tell you to fuck off. It never did. you you got to play to the whistle. you you got to play to how the game is flowing. And for me, a lot of that comes down to good coaching and good leadership on the field. And I think the Penrith Panthers, they've just got an understanding for the game right now that is just about unmatched by other teams. And this is a Melbourne Storm team with Jerome Hughes, Cameron Munster, Harry Grant, Craig Bellamy's their fucking coach. They just can't compete at, at, at that level. It's incredible what the Panthers are doing. Um, Stephen Crichton, who was reasonably quiet tonight, sort of just did what he had to do. Didn't he? I think he set up one try at one point, the, the Dylan Edwards ones, but was reasonably quiet. He goes into next week's grand final, having played not only played in three in a row, but scoring a try in the last three grand finals in a row. If he scores a try next week, which if you got on the early bet, which we spoke about uh, earlier today in the preview, you could have got 320 for him there. If he manages to score a try and he's fourth grand final in a row, he becomes the first guy to do it since Johnny King in the 1960s. Now, amazingly, Johnny King actually managed to score in six consecutive grand finals, which is just fucking ridiculous. Obviously, part of that St. George Dragon side that won 11 premierships in a row. Uh, Eddie Lumsman, I think he scored three in a row, same as Brett Kenny. Uh, he, well, he, to, to be fair, and I think it needs to be appreciated, Stephen Crichton has scored a try in the last three grand finals, which is incredible. Uh, Brett Kenny actually scored two tries in three grand finals in a row. And Brett Kenny was a 5'8", remember, not a centre. Um, so, unbelievable. as I've always said, I do think Brett Kenny should be an immortal of our game. I think he is criminally slept on because uh, he hasn't gone into, um, you know, whether it be social media or just general mainstream media. We just don't hear as much from Brett Kenny anymore. Uh, but I think he should be considered right up there with the greatest players of all time. And as I've always said, I think what you do on the big stages, it should matter more than what it does in rugby league. Uh, we're doing like a... Uh, 
most valuable bloke on, on bloke in a bar for the finals for me. I think Nath Cleary is going to absolutely shit in at the moment. But I do think that the, the performances you put in on the biggest stages, I do think they need to count for more. And I think Nath Cleary so far, he's I think he played a 9.5 out of 10 uh, against the New Zealand Warriors. And this game here might have been a 9.6. He was incredible in this game, Nath. I think he missed a goal early. Uh, might have put a kick dead or given away a seven-tackle set at one point, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but outside of that, he was just tremendous. Running game was fantastic. Selective passing was unreal. I love the try. It was one of my favorite moments of the night. The Taruva try. Uh, the Penny Panthers down the left-hand side. And Jerome Luai got it at first receiver and played out the back to Nathan Cleary. Uh, just shows the different ways and the different styles that they can throw at you, this Panther side. They are just so impressive, and they are going to be so hard to beat, regardless of who it is. And I'll tell you what, this Panther side, they, they coasted through that game. They really did. It was... You know, I thought it would be tough for the first 50-60, and it was for the first half, but, man, outside of that, the Penrith Panthers, they were just running downhill for the vast majority of that. So I really don't think that'll take too much out of the tank. I think they're going to be coming into that game pretty fresh. Uh, the teams tomorrow, though, good God, the New Zealand Warriors and the Brisbane Broncos, they're going to belt and bash each other. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people that know the game well, including uh, Matty Johns, giving the Warriors a red-hot sniff in this one. I still think the Broncos will win this one 13-plus. I think they'll run home late. I just... I'm not totally convinced on how the Warriors' edges are going to ha- handle Reese Walsh, uh, but we're going to have our coach's clipboard dropping very soon. I'm going to go into a bit of detail on that. But, yeah, geez, if that game is tight, uh, and if, you know, AFB, Torhu, Mitchie Barnett, if they really go after Payne Haas, Paddy Carrigan, these guys, if it's a bash-up through the middle... Good God, whoever wins that game, regardless of Broncos, Warriors, whoever wins it is going to be pretty fucking sore coming into next week. So, huge test. It is the longer turnaround. Obviously, the grand final on Sunday. The Panthers, they have the longer turnaround in general, though. Uh, They'll be done with their recovery day before the Broncos play their game. The Broncos or the Warriors play their game. So, yeah, very, very interesting. But the Panthers into their fourth grand final in a row. I want to congratulate... That franchise, that system, that coaching staff, and that playing group, what they've managed to do over the last few years has been nothing short of incredible. I do think they had another crown to their title next week. I've said it since the preseason. Uh, I know they lost Appy. I know they lost Kickout. You know, these guys that all left, I get it. But I was always very confident that they'd be able to fill these spots and be able to be very successful. Have they filled it in the way I thought they would? No, they haven't. I thought that Sonny Luke could fill into that nine role. He's not even in the team. Um, and I really didn't see Scotty Sorensen becoming an 80-minute edge back row on the left-hand side, but he has been fucking unbelievable. Is he better than Kikau? Probably not. Is he different to Kikau? Yeah, and different can be fucking painful and bloody scary sometimes, and Scotty Sorensen's done a tremendous job over there. It is full credit to Ivan Cleary, what he's built out there. It has been so impressive to watch, and uh, I feel like we've still got something special coming our way. Huge grand final week coming up, but we have still got... Uh, the other game to deal with, the Brisbane Broncos and the New Zealand Warriors. The winner will go on to play the Penrith Panthers. Stay tuned for Coach's Clipboard and, of course, our preview and our anytime try scorers coming very, very soon. G'day, guys. Welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. The Brisbane Broncos and the New Zealand Warriors game has just wrapped up, and we have our grand finalists for 2023. We will have the Brisbane Broncos taking on the Penrith Panthers at Accor Stadium next Sunday. How bloody good. In my opinion, we have got the two best teams in the competition going head-to-head on grand final day, which is exactly uh, what I wanted selfishly. Uh, I know the Melbourne Storm and the New Zealand Warriors, very good seasons to get to where they did, uh, but for me, these two teams have been well and truly above everyone else for 
pretty much the entirety of the season. Um, you know, the Melbourne Storm, we said from the start of the season, we were really worried about their pack, uh, that it was always going to be an issue. The New Zealand Warriors, we said five or six weeks ago, we just didn't think they were on the same level as the Broncos uh, and the Penrith Panthers, which, you know, isn't an insult. There's also, you know, 14 other teams below the New Zealand Warriors that aren't on that level too. And there's about probably 12 other teams that I don't think are at the Warriors level either. So um, there are a lot of stages to this competition and the Warriors, they have gone from 15th last year to probably third for me. Uh, They've had an incredibly good season and tonight's a really good opportunity to take a lot of lessons away from this game and come back bigger and better next year. I love the direction the New Zealand Warriors are heading in. The atmosphere around them and the hype around them this year has been fucking sensational and they will come back bigger and better next year, I hope. Uh, Let's talk about it off the very top. Jordan Rickey uh, scored a try that was absolutely shambolic. Uh, for fucking, there was obviously one forward pass. I personally thought there was probably two forward passes in the play. Uh, it was a dreadful call. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. I have no idea how the first forward pass, how they managed to get away with that. Yeah, uh, there, there is no defending that. It was a really bad call. No doubt about it. Did it decide the game for the Warriors? In my opinion, no, it didn't. Um, I thought that the Brisbane Broncos were the better side throughout. I really don't think the New Zealand Warriors... Uh, played overly well, to be completely honest with you guys. It wasn't their best performance. They didn't defend the way they wanted to defend. Um, You know, did that call have an impact on the game? 100% it did. Yeah, because it was a try scored off the back of it, and I understand that. But I think we do need to sort of accept that, yeah, it was a bad call, but you know, they were. it was 24-12 at that point, I think. A lot of Warriors fans mentioned me saying, oh, the comeback was on. They ruined our comeback. Okay, like, you haven't beaten a top four team all season, and when you're down by 12 against the Broncos at Suncorp, and you concede a line break that there's a forward pass off the back of it, that's when you were about to make your comeback. I I don't know about it. I'm, I'm not really buying it, to be completely honest with you. I think that had that call gone the other way, sure, maybe the scoreline's closer, but I personally thought the Brisbane Broncos uh, were the better side all night. I thought going into this game, they were the better side, and I did not really think the Warriors were at the same level as the Broncos and the Panthers, and I thought that tonight did display that. Uh, Tony Staggs, another tough call, 100% sure. Uh, once again, I don't think it decided the outcome of this game. The Warriors missed 48 tackles. They conceded 11 line breaks. Um, they had 47% possession. It's not like they had 30%. They had 47. They were reasonably close to the Brisbane Broncos there, considering the score is 42 points to 12. Um, you know, scored off an intercept early. Uh, you know, I, I just I, I can't really hear that arguments, to be completely honest with you. This year is a stepping zone for the New Zealand Warriors. You do not win premierships in one season. And I know Warriors fans... You know what? It's really unfair because there's a small pocket of Warriors fans who are a very loud minority, um, who I think give the Warriors fans a bit of a bad rap. I I can tell the rest of you fan base out there that go for every other club that I I think the Warriors are starting to get a bit of a rap that there are a lot of fans that complain and whinge and sook. I have spoken to so many fans who have said, hey, the referee calls were shit, no doubt about that, but we weren't good enough. So I want to give a shout out to those New Zealand Warriors fans. And quite often, um, that is the quiet majority as well. They don't feel a need to point that out because it's how they game went. Uh, but yeah, there is a lot of Warriors fans out there who, you know, are playing off the back of emotion 100%. I fucking love the passion uh, that you have for your footy side, but I'm sorry if you think that's called decided this game for you. 
Um, I think you've really missed the mark there. You considered, you know, 25-odd offloads in this game. Going into this game against the Brisbane Broncos, uh, with the way that they play and how expansive they can be, the last thing in the world you want to do is allow them to offload the footy. Um, they had more offloads in this game than they've had in any other game throughout the season, I'm pretty sure. So, sure, there was a few referee calls that weren't ideal, 100%. I agree with you on that. Did they decide this game, though, for me? Uh, no, they certainly didn't. Uh, the Warriors fans, though, you should be very proud of where your team has come from. Considering where you were last year, honestly, egg all over my fucking face. I didn't give you a hope in hell of playing finals footage. To get to a prelim final is an incredible knock. Sean Johnson, uh, some of the plays he came up with tonight were absolutely magic. I honestly thought he would retire this year. I really did, and I thought he would retire in a pretty ugly fashion. So many positives for the New Zealand Warriors, and I thought Webby, he handled his press conference so well, and this is why, during the season, uh, you know, when the sponsor came out and had the big blow-up about some calls that went against him, and I sort of said, you know, this isn't the culture that Webby's trying to build. This is isn't what he's trying to turn the Warriors into. It isn't a point-the-finger club. We're a get-on-with-it. Let's take care of our own backyard, and let's make sure that we are at 100%. Let's take the referees out of it. And it was so good to see Webby at his lowest point, absolute lowest point off the back of that game, when he quite easily could have put pointed fingers. Yeah, there was bad calls, no doubt about it. He could have pointed fingers. He could have put all the blame on the referees. He didn't. He said, we need to be better. And I'll tell you what, New Zealand Warriors fans, even to those of you that are screaming into your phone and are filthy at me, This is the guy that can lead you to actual success because he is not a fucking finger pointer. He is a guy that understands we need to take responsibility for our actions. We need to take care of our own backyard. 48 missed tackles in a prelim final, conceding 11 line breaks in a prelim final. It is simply not good enough. Take referees out of it. If you let referees decide games, you haven't done enough to win it. And that's Webby's attitude. And that's the attitude that is going to get the Warriors places in the future. Blaming refs, pointing fingers, saying it wasn't our fault, it was their fault. That's going to get you fucking nowhere. It's going to get you absolutely nowhere. And this is why I'm such a big believer in Webby and why I've been so impressed with him because he's made hard calls throughout the year and he has stuck to the principles that he knows will build success. You know why? Because he's come from a successful system. He's come from the Penrith Panthers where you take care of yourself and you get your fucking job done and it will lead to success. And you can already see that at the New Zealand Warriors. They are starting to turn the gears. Look at the guys that he's really unearthed this year and sent to another level. Adam Fanua Blake's had his best season. Jackson Ford has exploded. Dylan Walker's had his best season probably since the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Wade Eddington's one of the better hookers in this competition. Sean Johnson has gone to a brand new level. Chan Tickle Clockstart. He's setting up more tries than I've ever seen before. I can't believe the ball playing he's showing. Dallin Matenis Lesniak, one of the most dangerous wingers in the comp right now. Webby is doing fantastic things there. And you Warriors fans, you just need to stand by this guy and start to buy into the culture he's building from the players to the fan base. Buy into what Webby is selling you because it will lead to success. Shout out to the Warriors. A fantastic season. Awful for it to end that way. But there are lessons to take away from this. And if they can learn from those lessons, this Warriors side with Roger Tulvasashek returning next year, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Very, very exciting times for the Waz. For the Brisbane Broncos, congratulations into the 2023 NRL Grand Final. Unbelievable scenes. I love tonight Billy Walters. A heap of guys got all the attention and whatnot. I thought Billy Walters scoring two meat pies going into the Grand Final with his old man as a coach. Sensational. I remember sitting here at the start of the season going, oh, when are we going to see Blake Moser? It could be round 10. could be round 13. Haven't even heard his name. Have not even heard his name because Billy Walters has cemented himself in that side. So I want to give a shout-out to Billy Walters. Thought he was fantastic tonight. Obviously scoring the two tries. He was unreal. Uh, what did he play? 65 minutes. 
great to see from Billy and a really good reward for a guy that has worked hard. He's had to go the long way. He's had to deal with all the shit about being the, uh, the son of the coach and all that sort of stuff. But he's done tremendously well. I was so impressed with him tonight. Reese Walsh, absolute superstar. Throws an intercept to DWZ. As I've always said with Reese Walsh, and you're probably sick of hearing it, but if you've always listened to this podcast, I've always said from day one, Reese Walsh is an absolute superstar, and it's his mentality that sets him apart. And the day I learned that was was when he was playing for the Warriors, and I believe they were actually playing the Broncos. He had three or four shots at field goal. He had another shot at a penalty a penalty shot and whatever. He missed them all. But you know what? He kept saying, I want the fucking football. I, the game's on the line. I want the football. And this is what I've always said with Reese Walsh. He can make 10 mistakes and he's going, give me the ball. I'm ready to make the 11th. Because he li- that's the all-in mentality that he has. He threw an in- intercept to DWZ. For a guy playing in his first prelim final, you've got to remember, this guy's played 55-odd games of first grade. And in a prelim final, he throws an intercept. He should have gone to absolute water after that. Instead, his next three to four touches were either a line break assist, a sensational catch, or a try assist. He was everywhere, Reese Walsh. He was incredible. Was he perfect? No, he never is. And that's the reality of Reese Walsh. But you know what? It doesn't rattle him. And he just keeps taking shots at you. And when, as he matures and as he gets older, the errors are going to start to come out of his game. And you're going to have one hell of a footballer there. Yes, I've seen all the comments on Instagram. If he does that to the Panthers next week, they don't stand to hope. Sure. But you know what? He's going to have to take shots to beat the Penrith Panthers. It's that sort of attitude that Reese Walsh can bring that can beat the Penrith Panthers. If you've got his ability and his confidence and he backs himself, that's how you can beat this Panthers side. And it's easy to say, oh, he'll make errors, he'll lose it for them. Sure. Rightio, it's easy to say that sitting on the couch. But being the guy in the arena and having the mentality to go all chips in and going, you know what? I'm going to try and win this fucking game of football. It might blow up in my face, but I'm going to be the one to try and win this game of football. That's what makes Reese Walsh so special, and it's why he came into the Origin Arena and he dominated. It's why he's come into finals footy and he has dominated so far. Will it be enough to beat the Penrith Panthers next week? Potentially. Potentially, and I'll tell you what, if it's not, you're all going to jump down his throat because you've all been waiting so long for an opportunity for this kid to stumble, but he has been incredible this year, and there is no... Doubting it whatsoever. He has been so good, and I loved... I, I knew As soon as he threw that intercept, I thought, okay, beautiful. He's going to brain it the rest of the game. This is the kick up the arse Reese Walsh needs. And shock me, the next three players, he absolutely blew it away. That's the sort of guy he is. That mentality is so special. Other guys I thought were fantastic. Herbie Farmworth scored a daily double. He was everywhere. It was unlucky not to score a third try. He was fantastic. I would say he went for 200 plus. Yeah, 232 run meters Herbie Farmworth went for as a center. Very, very impressive. I thought Selwyn Cobbo had a poor error early. thought there was a moment in the first half where he made a break and he and he just let himself get tackled. He didn't overplay his hand. He didn't kick. He didn't pass. Very matured play there. I thought Jesse Arthurs was good too as well. Did some good things. Uh, 112 odd run meters. Made some good defensive plays. Came up with one try. Very, very impressive. What about Ezra Mam off the left foot? Thanks for coming. What a, what a gun he is. Such a talented kid to watch. Uh, Adam Reynolds. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic as always. Just dictated terms, led the team around. To think that the Brisbane Broncos are in a prelim final and they're able to take Adam Reynolds off at the 65th minute, uh, that is a sign of a good footy side. They took Adam Reynolds off in the 65th minute, and they didn't put Pat Carrigan on for his second stint. Now, once again, understand, Warriors fans, uh, you're upset, it's hurting, but once again, look at those numbers. He didn't put Pat Carrigan on for his second stint. He played 50 minutes, that's it. Payne Haas played 60 minutes, that's it. He took Adam Reynolds off with 15 minutes to go. 
The Broncos were the better team tonight by far and away, and they deserve to be in the 2023 NRL Grand Final. They have been one of the top two teams this year. Uh, Payne Haas, obviously, in that 60 minutes, he got through a heap of work. His first half was huge. I'm just going to get up his stats from halftime because uh, he was absolutely massive. Had a line break in there, which was very impressive. Obviously, bursted open off the back of a Reese Walsh pass, I think it was. Uh, but 122 metres, one line break, two offloads, 19 tackles in the first half. Absolutely killed it, Payne Haas. Very impressive. Uh, a pretty bizarre prelim final. Uh, in the first 28 minutes, we had 36 points. And if Adam Pompey would have kicked his three goals, you would have had 42 points in 28 minutes. It was just shot for shot for shot for shot. Very entertaining footy, but very unlike prelim footy. And I'll be honest with you, I was sitting there watching all these points being scored from both teams. And look, I'll be honest with you, the Warriors, the, the Broncos were the better team tonight, yeah? But they, but they weren't super impressive. They weren't at the level that the Penrith Panthers were at last night. There is no doubt about that whatsoever. They did make a lot of errors. They did turn over a lot of ball. They come up with a lot of poor defensive plays. So I, I don't want you to think I'm going really harsh on the Warriors here because I actually don't think the Broncos were fantastic. They were better than the Warriors, but they weren't at the level they need to be to beat the, the Penrith Panthers next week. And uh, Ke- Kevy Walters made a point of that in his press conference. He said, we, we, didn't, we weren't good enough tonight to the levels we want to be at, but we didn't have to be there tonight. We have to be there next week. So very, very interesting to see what they do this week because the reality is they won that game off offloads. I, I, the New Zealand Warriors, they just allowed too many offloads to them. They allowed them to play second phase footy and they just gassed the New Zealand Warriors. I think they had 12 more offloads in the Wars. I mean, you can't you can't be allowing that to a team with Reese Walsh, to a team with Selwyn Cobbo, Hervey Farmworth, Payne Haas, Pat Carrigan. You just can't be doing it. Uh, and when if you're going to allow them to offload like that, they are going to blow you away through the middle. Um, yeah, look, I thought Brisbane were, were really good in this game. They, they were better than the, the New Zealand Warriors, but they do need to go to another level next week. And you know what? They are a team. We said it in the preview. They're going to give you plenty of opportunities. They're going to make mistakes. I think it was 10 errors each, yeah? They're going to make mistakes, same as the New Zealand Warriors. As I said, neither team was fantastic. They both made plenty of errors, both gave away penalties, um, neither team was perfect and the news, the, the Brisbane Broncos, they're going to have to go to a next level if they are to win that game next week. Uh, huge for the Brisbane Broncos though to consider, you know, they were wooden spooners, what was it, two, three years ago? To now be in a grand final going up against the Penrith Panthers, it really is incredible. And you have a look at the squad they've built, how many of those guys were there during those dark times. They've managed to get their hands on Adam Reynolds. Another tick uh, for experienced halfbacks, yeah. Especially in this game, you had SJ and uh, Adam Reynolds. I thought both were really, really good in this game. Both came up with some very, very big plays. Uh, and it just shows you the importance of an experienced halfback once again. And you look at you know the, the four halfbacks left, Jerome Hughes, Nathan Cleary, um, Sean Johnson, Adam Reynolds. Obviously, the, the the Broncos and Warriors boys, the older guys, but the other two very experienced as well. Jerome Hughes has been around for a long time, played in grand finals, won a premiership. Nath Cleary's been in grand finals. Experienced sevens, they are just so key. Jordan Rickey only had to play 60 minutes, got a spell late in this one as well, which was good to see, well earned. Uh, Kurt Capewell, another solid game, uh, just went about and did his work. So, look... A really good game all round by the Brisbane Broncos. I thought Pierre Cura, he had one or two poor errors. Oh, sorry, Pat Paliasia, when he came on, he had one or two bad errors. Was it one or two? I'm just going through his stat sheet. 
think he had one really poor knock-on at one stage. Yeah, one poor knock-on, a handling error there. Outside of that, I thought he was really good. A lot of good meters and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, look, guys, a fantastic win by the Brisbane Broncos. 42 points to 12. Obviously, uh, there was a lot of refereeing decisions and whatnot that were not fantastic tonight. And I'm not pushing back on them at all. But this idea that I'm seeing around social media from a very loud minority of New Zealand Warriors fans that it cost you the game, I've got to tell you, I can't agree with you on that. I think there's a lot more things that the New Zealand Warriors need to sort out. And I'll tell you what, you've got the coach to sort them out because he understands it. He gets it. He gets that you know, pointing fingers isn't going to get you to the promised land. It's not going to get you a premiership. Hard work and working on your weaknesses is. The beauty of what Webby's got right now is that this is the side he was given, yeah? Over the next few years, he's going to start to mould this side, not into the team he's given, into the team that he wants. And my God, once Webby's able to get those guys that he wants and get the right guys in key positions with the right mentality, oh, the Warriors are going to be a serious, serious handful. So exciting for the New Zealand Warriors. I really do hope this is the beginning of something special under Webby. Roger comes in next year. That's another guy with the right mentality, another guy who will be a fantastic leader for this side. The Brisbane Broncos going on to bigger and better things next week. Heap of content coming your way on the Rugby League Guru podcast this week. We've got so much to touch on for Grand Final Week. It is going to be an absolute belter.